My name's Garrett Apple. You're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. On Shriver. Snyder with scores. Now scores. Hands off for Rabel. Switches hands and scores. Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. With the first pick of the expansion draft, the Water Dogs are going to take Connor Kelly. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hunt, he's Adam. Together, we're bringing you interviews with your favorite players and coaches, as well as news from all four professional lacrosse leagues. Welcome to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. I am Hunton Jackson. I am joined by my co-host once again, Adam Moore. He was out sick last week. Adam, how are you feeling now? Good, man. Returning from the dead. If, for everyone who didn't know, I ended up having vertigo, something that I thought sailors got, right? Scurvy and vertigo. I thought that's what old, sail, old sailors coming home from sea used to get. And uh, it was wild. I got uh, a virus that affected my inner ear and I felt like I was on a roller coaster for about a week and a half. So happy to be back on the pod and having uh, my vision back, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, we're happy to have you back. Uh, we appreciate Adam Levy stepping in for you last week. We were going to have him join our show uh, with all of us. Uh, you got sick, so he ended up stepping up and doing a great job. We'll definitely have him back on again. Um, and not to make light of your situation, but we are on another roller coaster. Uh, and this time it's a roller coaster of lacrosse news because this week, was jam-packed, whether it be the NLL, PLL, MLL. We have a lot of news to cover this episode. We're going to be talking water dogs. We're going to be talking hammerheads. We're going to be talking the NLL. Uh, We have just a ton of stuff to talk about. But before we do, Adam, why don't you recap these NLL games from this weekend? Yeah, man. We had a busy week 11 in the National Lacrosse League starting on Friday. The Bandits went into Vancouver on retro night and defeated the Warriors 15-8. In the Battle of the Goalies this weekend, the Rush and Evan Kirk outlasted the Mammoth and Dylan Ward 9-7. The Roughnecks got another victory as they defeated the New York Riptide 13-9. Toronto then beat the Bandits in their second game of the weekend 13-9. And we saved one of the best ones for last as the Warriors went into Rochester and defeated the Nighthawks 11-10 on an OT thriller by Mitch Jones. So that's your fast break. Now let's hit the quick stick. All right, our quick stick is jam-packed today. Uh, Again, we have a lot of news from all three of those leagues that we mentioned. Uh, We'll start off with the NLL and some really disheartening news. The Seals and Warriors rumble on the runway game that was planned for this coming weekend at Marine Corps Air Station Miramar has been moved to Pechanga Arena due to the base needed to remain mission-capable Uh, And that is actually because it is serving as a coronavirus quarantine station. So that is the reason they had to move the game. Uh, Really unfortunate, real bummer. Um, But hopefully the NLL and the Seals can put on this event in a future season. You know, it it was really disappointing that they couldn't do it this year. Obviously, you know, some serious things going on at Miramar. So it it was a must for them to move the game. You know, you don't really want it um, at a site that they're treating the coronavirus. So... Um, definitely important there, but uh, unfortunate for us fans. Some other news in the NLL, the Thunderbirds and Rush are having their military appreciation game this weekend. Um, they revealed their military-inspired jerseys, which are very cool-looking. Uh, the Rush you know, have some digital camo going on, and the Thunderbirds ended up going with a whole royal blue kind of uh, to represent the Canada Armed Forces. Um, so, yeah, I think the jerseys both look sweet. The Thunderbirds logo that they're actually using uh, I think was originally considered for the Halifax expansion franchise initially. They were going to be the Halifax Fleet. That was a name that was discussed before they decided on the Thunderbirds. On um, the colors, actually, that they chose 
were very similar to the initial colors before they went with the orange and purple. So uh, some cool jerseys. Definitely check those out on our social media pages. Um, but let's go on to some MLL news. A lot of news coming out of Major League Lacrosse, probably the most we've had this whole offseason. We'll first start off with the Rattlers officially being shut down uh, in favor of a new franchise called the Connecticut Hammerheads. So Dallas Rattlers will not be operated this season by the MLL. Uh, their team name and logo will still be retained by the league, so they could make an appearance uh, in future seasons down the road if they decide to go back to Dallas. Um, but Bill Warder, the coach of the Rattlers, will now take over as coach of the new expansion franchise, Connecticut Hammerheads. Going off of that, the Outlaws, who have also been rumored to be, perhaps been moving, they stay put, uh, so they're going to be in Denver again this year. Matt Bocklet was named president of the Outlaws. He obviously had a historic career with the Outlaws, winning multiple championships. His number was retired this past season. He's a defensive coordinator with the team, and now he was named president. So we don't know if that what that means for his uh, role as an assistant coach. We assume that he'll still be you know, coaching from the sidelines. He will also have duties as the president of the Outlaws. And then finally, in some really big and exciting news that I know you're really excited to talk about, Adam, the Philadelphia Barrage trademark has been re-registered by the MLL, so it's more than likely that the Atlanta Blaze will move to Philadelphia and become the Barrage. Uh, obviously, we're both really excited about that. We had the hashtag bring back the barrage, and it seems to have worked because it looks like the barrage could be making a return soon. Nothing is official yet, but that trademark has been officially registered. It is the same logo that they used before the team folded, so it is almost 99% likely that the barrage are making a return. And then following that in the PLL, they announced that Minneapolis will be the Week 6 destination. They will be playing at Viking Lakes, which is a practice facility to the Minnesota Vikings. So a state-of-the-art venue. Uh, they continue to diversify their tour stops. Uh, they mixed it up going to Dallas in Week 5 and now you know Minneapolis in Week 6. Uh, so obviously exciting that they're branching out. I think this is another great venue. Minneapolis you know, is obviously home to Epic Lacrosse and uh, you know, getting to be a really big a hotbed for youth lacrosse, so I think it's a great move. Um, and then we also have word from Dan Arestia that he's reached out to Providence Park in Portland, and they are in the bidding to host a PLL week, so nothing is set in stone, but that is at least being eyed as a tour stop. Um, so that would obviously check off the box of getting a Pacific Northwest uh, stop, tour stop in the PLL this season. Um, if they do decide to go to Portland, Providence Park is home to the Portland Timbers. Um, so we definitely think that would be a really great venue for them to explore, too. So nothing set in stone for that, um, but we'll get you some more information as that starts to come out. And then finally, the PLL hosted its expansion draft, and the team featured a lot of obvious picks as well as some big shockers as well. Those drafted were Connor Kelly, Christian Cuccinello, Brody Merrill, Charlie Cipriano, Ben Reeves, Kyle McClancy, Kieran McCardle, Brian Carolunas, Ben McIntosh, Drew Snyder, Ryan Drenner, Noah Richard, Steve DiNapoli, Westberg, Chris Sabia, Ryan Conrad, Danny Ipe, and Drew Simino. So a lot of names on here that we kind of expected, and then there's a few that you know we really didn't expect. So let's move on from our quick stick and break down this Water Dogs roster. Uh, let me get your first initial reactions, Adam, from this roster. Like you said, there were a lot of names on here that um, 
we were expecting to see. And, you know, there were some names that we were curious about, you know. We didn't really know what Ben Reeves' situation was, so some of us had him on those rosters, but and some didn't. Um, I think we both talked in previous pods that we thought if he was going to be available to play next year, he'd be on this Water Dogs roster, and we were definitely correct uh, when it comes to that. It made sense um, to have a guy like Snyder on the squad and Ryan Drenner. It's you know, definitely whip snakes heavy, and you know, we, we talked um, our, our thoughts on who was going to be selected. We fully expected four guys from that squad to be taken, and uh, that came to fruition too. And there were, like you said, there were some notable players that weren't selected on that roster. And you know, um, we just talked to Curtis Dixon um, a couple, a little bit ago, right on the pod, and and he's talked about his excitement um, to join the PLL next year. And I fully expect him to be on that chaos squad, and I really see him having an opportunity to really excel with, with uh, the, their style of play next year. Yeah, I absolutely agree with uh, Curtis Dixon. You know, he fully intends to play this season. Yeah, and you add him, you know, to the attackmen they already have, you know, with Connor Fields, uh, Josh Byrne, and Miles Thompson. And you have four guys that have indoor experience, you know, that can really make that um, offense run. So, you know, they like to push it in transition. Um, you know, they really like making those acrobatic plays. You know, I mean, we see Connor Fields is a human highlight reel. Curtis Dixon, you know, not afraid to leave his feet and really has a presence around crease as well as, you know, can can really shoot, too, from the 5-5. Five and five. Uh, And then, you know, Josh Burns, another guy, too, who really made a name for himself. And I think they were really bogged down by injuries last year, you know. None of those guys other than Connor Fields were healthy um, yeah. completely throughout the, whole, throughout the whole season. So I think the Chaos are in pretty good shape. Uh, but, yeah, you mentioned the Whipsnakes were really hit hard, losing Snyder, Reeves, Kelly, and Drenner. Um, so they reached the four-player max, and thank goodness because, you know, they probably could have lost a few other guys as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, th- that's what kind of stood out to me. And then what also stood out to me was the fact that the Redwoods really didn't lose too many p- key pieces. You know, they lost Westberg. He obviously, you know, did really well for them down the stretch. Um, he's another indoor guy that it looks like he's going to get some, some more time going forward. Um, and then Brian Carolunas as well, you know, was doing really well for them too at the LSM position. But they have guys like Clark Peterson and Larkin Kemp to really kind of step in and fill those roles. Um, they didn't lose Pat Harbison. They shockingly didn't lose Sergio Salcedo. So I think the Redwoods are in really, really good shape going forward. And if I'm coaching at St. Laurent, I'm pretty pleased with how the expansion draft turned out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and he's bringing most of his team back and we don't know what next steps are too. We'll talk about this in a little bit, but when it comes to the player pool draft that's coming up, when it comes to the uh, college draft coming up, they are in a position and have uh, some pieces. If they wanted to move and make a bigger trade for uh, or something like that, they didn't lose too much, which is really important going forward. No, absolutely. Um, let me just get your thoughts on who really stood out to you as surprising on this roster from who was selected by Andy Copeland? Yeah, you know, one guy I, I, I was a, a little surprised uh, that they saved was face-off guy Drew Simino from the Chrome, you know. Um, not that he isn't a fantastic player, but uh, I thought that was a position um, where that they could have filled in a lot of different ways, whether that's through that player pool draft or the, the college draft coming up. So he was one of the guys that I really kind of was surprised uh, that they used one of their 18 spots for. Yeah, no, and uh, uh, for me, I, I was a little surprised by the Simino pick as well. I thought that maybe they'd just forgo taking a Fogo. Um, I also thought, you know, DiNapoli and McClancy were two kind of under-the-radar guys that 
You know, I might have gone with a Pat Harbison at the short stick defensive mini position, but uh, they decided to go with DiNapoli. Um, two guys, though, that were really solid and, again, like I said, flew under the radar. So not bad picks by any stretch of the mind, but um, I am a little bit surprised that they decided to take, you know, those two guys over a guy who I thought was a little bit more proven like a Pat Harbison, um, you know, and uh, they did get a, a guy like Ryan Conrad who we both said was a no-brainer to pick. He's a two-way guy. Uh, Danny Ipe from the Archers was another guy that, you know, I think really is going to come into his own with this team. He had a really good season with the Archers, fastest guy in the league. Um, And then they picked two guys that, you know, we both thought that they should pick, but a lot of people didn't really have on their mock drafts. I'll go first with, uh, you know, Charlie Cipriano. I really thought because of the Fairfield connection that Andy Copeland would like to, you know, draft him. He obviously uh, played under Coach Copeland at Fairfield and was an All-American there. Uh, He has plenty of MLL starting experience, too. He was a starter for the Hounds for two years in the MLL. So I predicted that, you know, he might be the goaltender that Coach Copeland goes with, and sure enough, it was his pick. So, you know, a lot of people had Jack Kelly, a lot of people had Adam Gittleman. Those two, you know, solid goaltenders, I think they deserve to be starting goaltenders in this league. But, uh, yeah, Cipriano's going to get his shot to kind of prove his own in this one and, uh, and, you know, get the shot to be the water dog starting goaltender. Yeah, and, you know, a guy for me, Ben McIntosh, uh, who obviously is a fantastic player. And uh, if you go on to our boy Joe Keeg's uh, Twitter, he says RIP to the uh, McIntosh two-man game. Um, but I, he was a guy that I, I, when we were going through our protected rosters, fully expected um, to be protected and was surprised that uh, he didn't end up on that Archer's protected list and really excited to see him get another opportunity to continue uh, playing and continue uh, excelling on this new Water Dogs roster. No, absolutely. Joe Keegan's, uh, you know, really predicting the two-man game to really make a big impact this season. Um, Not that it hadn't last year, but he thinks teams are really going to look at what they saw on film from this past season and, you know, kind of take it to the next level. Um, So, yeah, obviously a great pick. Now let's discuss, though, some of these guys that ended up not being protected and not picked up. So I made a list, just a quick list. We mentioned a few of them, but guys like Sergio Salcido, Romar Dennis, Pat Harbison, Cade Van Raphorst, who I was really surprised didn't get picked, uh, Joel Tinney, Joey Sankey, Chris Cloutier, Curtis Dixon, Miles Thompson, Adam Gittleman, and Jack Kelly were all left still available, so they will revert back to their teams. The biggest one for me was uh, Van Raphorst, of course, um, who I thought you know had a really great rookie season with the Atlas. So that's a big game for the Atlas to get him back. Um, Sergio Salcido, he was an all-star. We spoke to him a little bit about how you know he was kind of playing with a chip on his shoulder and how he really thought he could uh, you know come into whether it be the Water Dogs or go back to the Redwoods and kind of make a name for himself and kind of take his game to the next level. So we'll look to see him doing that with the Redwoods next year. Um, and then Romar Dennis, you know, who, again, really didn't get as much uh, time as he should have probably gotten last year on the Chrome. They were obviously last place. Uh, they didn't utilize him that much. He was unprotected. He was pretty outspoken in Dan's article um, about how upset he was with not playing that much last year despite, you know, being active for all 10 games. He just didn't like how they didn't utilize him and was actually looking forward to possibly being drafted by the Water Dogs to the point that if he was left unprotected, he said that he would probably demand a trade. So here he is now. Uh, the Water Dogs did not choose to draft him. He's going to go back to the Chrome roster. Do you think maybe they release him to the player pool or um, you know, he gets the trade that he's looking for? 
definitely a tough situation for Romar, but I, I don't foresee them giving up an a- asset for giving up on an asset for, for nothing. I fully expect uh, a trade to go down at some point, whether it's for future draft pick assets or a swap in uh, the player pool draft. I, I don't think the Chrome uh, will just give him away for, for nothing, and I, I fully expect them to get something pretty strong in return for a guy uh, that could be a starter on a few squads. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, he definitely had some strong comments, um, like I said, going as far as saying that he would like a trade if he was ended up back on the the Chrome roster. Yeah, so obviously we'll be watching his situation closely. And then, you know, Jack Kelly, you know, was also uh, left. You know, we don't know if he'll get a shot at being a starting goaltender. He obviously deserves a chance. He still is rehabbing uh, that ACL injury, and that's kind of the decision that Copeland made, uh, why he decided not to pick him. Um, he even said that on the broadcast was because he wanted to go in with a healthy goaltender, one that he knew and one that was proven, and so that's why he chose Cipriano. And you know, honestly, I think this team could really compete uh, this season. So, um, yeah, I think they look good right now. And the other thing to remember is there's still plenty of talent in the entry draft and in the college draft, like you mentioned, Adam. Um, there's still talent on these rosters too. You know, I think a guy like a Dylan Maltz um, really has an opportunity now to step up in the for the Whip Snakes in the absence of, you know, a Reeves and a Kelly um, and a Drenner. So I, I think maybe we might see him get a little bit more playing time and, you know, we could see them kind of attack this draft a little bit more. Um, and then, you know, I think the, the Archers, too, losing Cuccinello, I think they're still, they want a solid third attackman to kind of step in with Holman and Manny. And I think, you know, with the number one pick, Grant Amon might be the guy for them. One thing I'm really curious about um, for next steps is how this player pool draft is going to work. We don't really know anything in regards uh, to how the draft selection is going to go in terms of order. Um, There's some great players obviously already in the player pool. As many people are suspecting, there's going to be a few uh, transfers from the MLL potentially um, once those contracts are up in a few weeks. Um, That draft may be just as stacked as this one was and as stacked as the college draft will be come come the springtime. So um, there there are so many moving pieces still. The puzzle um, isn't really clear yet. Mm -hmm, No, yeah. And um, the rumor is that the Water Dogs will get that number one pick, but that's not for certain yet. Um, And if they do... You know, and that pairs with another rumor that Rob Pinnell is coming over to the PLL. You know, they're going to have another solid attackman. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I'm curious if Coach Copeland ha- has those rules uh, or or knows how that's going to happen. You couldn't go wrong with a lot of these players, but for the players that uh, some people are kind of scratching their heads on um, potentially, um, it may be because he he knows a little bit more than we do when it comes to next steps in how the league's developing. No, absolutely. I'm sure he's you know, weighing all options, as all these coaches are, you know, heading into this now entry-level player pool draft as well as the college entry draft. Um, So we'll have plenty of coverage for you guys leading up to those drafts. Um, But with that, that wraps up our Water Dogs discussion. We're going to take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll discuss the newest team to hit pro lacrosse, the Connecticut Hammerheads. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, The Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today. All right, welcome back. No, it is not Jaws. It is the Connecticut Hammerheads. They are the newest team to join the MLL. They will be playing at Fairfield University at Rafferty Stadium. Uh, the MLL announced it this week. Uh, they right now have a cool, pretty cool logo, if you ask me, uh, Hammerheads logo. Blue and yellow is going to be their color scheme. We don't know what players will be on that roster, but we do know it will probably be a large majority of the Rattlers players, and they will be coached by Bill Warder. So let's get into our discussion about what we thought about this logo and this new team. Yeah, no, it, I'm excited uh, for the New England fan base to, to get a squad back up there. Um, I don't think they've had a squad in that area since uh, Bridgeport, right, when, since the barrage left Bridgeport. So um, one thing I will say, it was a little bit of a head-scratcher um, how the announcement came about, how they said that the Rattlers were ceasing operation and then a new team was created um, despite Coach moving over and some of the players. So that was something uh, that I found interesting, but super excited for, for the MLL for this move. It did bring me back uh, to late 2000s uh, NLL for me. Uh, kind of reminded me of the Columbus Landsharks logo uh, from that early 2000s, but I, I thought the it was a solid logo. Uh, Interestingly enough, we, we were talking when the Water Dogs logo came out how we don't necessarily always enjoy when a lacrosse stick is in an actual lacrosse logo. Um, but I thought this one was solid. I'm fine with it. Um, so we'll see. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I actually, I really liked it. I, I liked the, the Hammerhead Shark. Um, it was a little cartoonish for me. Um, you know, and again, like you said, it holding a lacrosse stick, I don't know if that was necessarily, you know, a huge necessity. Again, it's kind of cheesy sometimes to have the stick in the logo. You know, it works for like a youth team because you want your team's logo to people to know it's lacrosse related. But when it's a pro team, you already know that's lacrosse. So I thought that was you know a little hokey, but um, overall it wasn't terrible. I liked it more than the Water Dogs logo, and I love the color scheme. I love the navy blue and yellow. I think they have opportunity for some really cool uh, uniforms, kind of maybe along the lines of the launch, but maybe you know more blue and gray. Uh, than the gold and use the gold as an accent color. But, yeah, I, I really like the, the logo. I love the location, too. Playing at a venue that holds 3,500 people, I think it's the perfect size for the MLL. Um, they obviously hosted a 2016 uh, playoff game for the MLL. So, you know, overall, I think it's a good move moving them to Connecticut. You know, Dallas, I think, still has an opportunity there. But, uh, you know, it just wasn't really working uh, right off the bat. And right now they kind of have to consolidate a little bit more just – you know, they have to really weigh where they're placing these teams since they don't have the luxury of, like, the PLL to travel to a city to city. So, um, overall, I like the move. Um, and we did a poll online, too, to see 
what people preferred, whether it be the Water Dogs logo or the Hammerheads. And the Hammerheads narrowly beat them 55.2% to the 44.8%. I personally prefer the Hammerheads logo. You know, if I had to choose between both of them, um, I, I would choose the Hammerheads. Uh, that's not to say that I, I love both of them, and that's not to say I hate both of them. But um, I don't know. What, what were your thoughts? Do you prefer the Hammerheads or the Water Dogs logo right now? I'm still a Water Dogs guy. Uh, to be honest with you, at this point, I, I, I like their color scheme a little bit more. I'm excited to see, especially with uh, the mock-up of the, the helmet that dropped uh, and a lot of the uh, uh, fan uh, art jerseys for, for the Water Dogs. I'm, I'm excited to see what, what they come up with when it comes to jerseys. But both, both are fine for me. I don't think either uh, for me was a home run, but I, I think I'd have to lean Water Dogs. All right, yeah, no, I'm the same way with um, not thinking that either was a home run, but uh, I lean the other way at the Hammerheads. Um, but overall, it's exciting to see new teams come into the leagues. You know, me and you are both big gear guys, so seeing new logos always kind of gets us excited. Uh, whether we like them or not, it's kind of just, you know, really exciting to just talk about in general. Those are our thoughts on the Connecticut Hammerheads. Um, now let's shift gears to the NLL. Uh, we had some great games this weekend. Again, you know, the NLL, the parody in this league is amazing. So let's start off with this Mammoth Rush game, a big West Division matchup. Uh, the Rush take the rubber match in this one. They defeated the Mammoth 9-7. to This game was back and forth um, and tied heading into the fourth quarter. Both teams traded goals to make it 6-6 with under 12 minutes to play, you know, but it was the, the Rush that ended up coming out on top. They would win 9-7, to and they would hand the Mammoth a really brutal loss. The Mammoth, you know, now are three and four against Western opponents, four and six overall. Um, continue to struggle despite Dylan Ward, you know, making forty-five saves, uh, you know, including one that was straight up robbery. He almost pulled, I guess you could say, a Marc Andre Fleury with this one save. You know, he was completely turned to the one side and dove, making a stick side save. To rob the rush of a goal. If you guys haven't seen it, check out our social media. Um, the save is amazing. Probably the save of the year right right now in my mind. But unfortunately, you know, it didn't get him the win. For the fourth time this year, he held the opponent to under 10 goals. But again, it wasn't enough. The Mammoth offense continues to struggle. And like I said, Colorado finds themselves at 4-6, and six, uh, you know, fourth in this West Division. Um, but Adam, I have to ask, are we worried about the Mammoth at this point? Yeah, you know, this is already the third time this season uh, that Dylan Ward has lost a game where he's led up less than double digit goals. So uh, you can't blame this one on D. Ward there. I just don't think they're getting the, the consistency that, that they are looking for from those top, top offensive guys other than Eli McLaughlin. You know, Ryan Lee and, and Kyle Killen have had big games one week, but then put up only a point or two the next. You know, Joey Caputo uh, will have a big game and then is non-existent after that, you know. So the team uh, was putting together complete games at the beginning of the season and, and just no longer are doing that. So I, I guess long-winded answer is yes, I, I'm, I'm worried about them kind of going forward. Yeah, no, and they're, they're fourth in the West, as I mentioned. They only have three more games against Western opponents to make up some substantial ground in the division, so... Yeah, I'm worried too. You know, I think you have uh, obviously one of the top goaltenders in Dylan Ward, so he's always going to give you a chance. But unless this offense really starts to put together, you know, some complete games, uh, you know, I'm gonna, you know, kind of, kind of doubt the Mammoth going forward. Now let's shift gears to the North Division. We'll talk Bandits versus Rock. Um, this is a rematch from three weeks ago. The Bandits enter this one on a six-game win streak. 
Uh, but The Rock would bring that to a close, much like they did against the Halifax Thunderbirds last week. Um, this game was a shootout in the second quarter and then ended up being tied 8-8 going into the third. And then the third was the exact opposite. It was a defensive slugfest with only one goal being scored. Um, but The Rock's three-goal run in the fourth quarter would give them the lead and ultimately the win over their north rival. Um, so my question for you, Adam, thoughts on the Toronto's second straight win and fourth of five straight games against North opponents? You know, they're sitting right now third in this North division, um, but they're at 5-2, and two, only half a game back from the 6-2 and two Buffalo Bandits, and then the 6-1 and one Halifax Thunderbirds. This North division's wide open. What did you really take away from this game? I really took away about how quietly the North division is arguably is the best division in the NLL right now. You know, we talk so much over the past few weeks uh, about the Eastern division and not so much the Western division. We talked about the the woes of the West, I guess you could say. Even at 6 and 1, the Thunderbirds really don't have this division locked up with with how many games uh each squad still has to play. So the only real thing we know about uh, the uh, North Division, unfortunately, is that I don't think Rochester is going to be able to make up uh, the the games to to get back into the contention. Yeah, no, unfortunately, at one and seven, I think the Rochester Nighthawks playoff hopes are all but lost. Um, but I think you know we could see these three other teams from the North make the playoffs. You know, right now the top two from each division will make it, and that leaves two wild card spots. Um, I would be willing to bet that. If one of these three teams finds themselves, you know, third in the division, they're going to get this wild card spot. You know, we obviously, there's still plenty of the season left, but uh, right now it's looking pretty good for this North division. But, you know, you did mention the Nighthawks, who are now 1-7, unfortunately, after this weekend. Um, so let's go to this game on Sunday against the Warriors. What did you see from this game that you, you really took away from? Yeah, you know, this was just another brutal one for, for Nighthawks fans, especially in front of that home crowd. Uh, Mitch Jones ended up getting uh, the OT dagger in this one. Even more salt to the wound for this one was not only was it an OT winner for the Warriors, but it was while they were man down, too. Uh, this is the second week in a row uh, that the Nighthawks squandered uh, a lead with under 30 seconds left to play uh, in, in a contest. So, you know, they, they've been playing well. They, despite their record, they've absolutely improved um, thus far through the season comparative to where they were uh, at the beginning. They were leading for most of this one, like I said, with they were leading 10-9 with 30 seconds to go before Mitch Jones, uh, who had another fantastic week, uh, especially in fantasy, which we'll talk about in a little. But he not only got the OT winner, uh, but he tied this, knotted this one up with under 30 seconds uh, to go. You know, And the third quarter, I have to say, continues to be Rochester's Achilles heel. Uh, they've been outscored in every single game thus far, uh, except one contest coming out of halftime. And you know what that one time where they scored the most goals in the third quarter was? Their only victory of the season. So that kind of just goes to show you uh, how, how they come out of half. And it's a tough pill to swallow. They'll continue uh, to build, hopefully, some momentum. But what are your thoughts on, on this Rochester team? And uh, a Warriors team that was out, out, able to bounce back to, to get at least one victory on the weekend. Yeah, you know, I, I got to go back to kind of what I, my discussion with, uh, you know, Adam Levy last week, we kind of talked about, you know, how they're not really getting consistent goaltender play, you know, this time it was Hartley in net, um, you know, he gave up 11 goals, he had 47 saves, so, you know, he actually did decent in this one, but they have guys that are kind of doing a lot of the work, you know, Sean Evans had six points in this one, Holden Katoni had eight points, so, you know, those are the two heavy lifters 
Um, but other than that, they're, they're really not getting much production from really anybody else, and I think that's what's really hurting them in this one. They just, you know, they need one or two more go-to guys. Um, and, you know, again, like you mentioned, Mitch Jones just on a tear. Nine points in this one. I mean, he, he's got to be right now the unanimous MVP. Uh, if he keeps it up going, you know, he, he's going to be the MVP for sure. Um, you know, still, again, like plenty of season left. I don't want to crown him too early, but um, there, there's nothing that I haven't seen from this guy that makes me believe that he doesn't deserve the MVP. You know, you mentioned not only does he get nine points in this game, but he wins it with the OT winner um, shorthanded. It's, you know, he just does it all for this team. He gets loose balls. He had six on the day in this game. Um, I, I just think he's one of the most complete players in the game right now. Um, and he's, you know, again, I think MV, I think my MVP um, until someone else, you know, proves otherwise. Um, some other games from around the league, you mentioned Vancouver. Uh, got their first win of the week. Buffalo got their only win of the weekend on Friday, 15-8 to against Vancouver, off of some big performances from Chris Cloutier. He had two goals, four assists. Uh, Josh Byrne also had two goals, four assists. Garrett Billings had one goal and five assists. And then, of course, uh, Dane Smith, two goals, six assists. So all those guys, you know, had some had a couple goals, but also really contributed, you know, on the assist side of things. Uh, they're really facilitating this offense as well. Um, and again, I, I think, you know, Buffalo is one of those top teams, you know, despite losing their second game of the weekend. Um, you know, I think they're still in really, really great shape. And then finally, another game from the weekend, uh, New York drops another one. They, you know, again, the same woes kind of came up and crept up on them. You know, they, they started off kind of competing with this Calgary team, but, um, you know, a bunch of Multi-goal runs by the Roughnecks kind of put this game on ice for them. The Roughnecks get a much-needed win to get to three and four, uh, and they defeat the New York Riptide thirteen to nine. So that's your NLL recaps. Uh, really looking forward to these upcoming games. We'll discuss those a little bit later. But with that, let's take a quick break. Hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll go into our fantasy lacrosse pick'em. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, The Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today. All right, so welcome back. Now let's dive into our NLL Fantasy Lacrosse Pick'em. Uh, we skipped our fantasy discussion last week because Adam was sick, um, so we're happy to you know bring it back this week. Uh, it just wouldn't have been the same without you, Adam. You know, I, I know how how it just wouldn't have been the same without you, Adam. So I just didn't you know feel comfortable doing it. Um, now I'm glad to to bring it back. So let's talk talk about these top fantasy performers from this week. Some of our biggest point getters from the weekend uh, were north of the border. 
you know, in cage, Eric Penny had the best points week for goalies despite letting the most goals in. In game one, Penny stood on his head making 58 saves and having one cause turnover for 11.75 points. Then in the forward slot, Penny's teammate Mitch Jones continued his fantasy dominance, recording a total of 7 goals, 8 assists, 18 loose balls for 9 and 10.5 points on the weekend. So if you started him in either game, or both, which you could have, uh, you're obviously very, very happy with that. Dan Dawson also showed out for Toronto with three and f- with a 3-4 and four night for 8.25 points in the Rocks' Week 11 victory. And then at defensive in transition, Zach Courier had another solid performance. He had 5.5 points in the Calgary's game. Again, I think he averages probably between 4.5 and 6.5 points every week. Zach Courier is always good for at least one or two assists, a few cost turnovers, and a bunch of loose balls. So, again, he, he's a guy that I would continue to start him whenever I could. Um, but those are your top performers from this week. Now, Adam, let's make our epic lacrosse fantasy locks. Who do you think is going to have a big performance this week? Yeah, you know, I think Ben McIntosh coming off a solid week this past weekend for Saskatchewan. Uh, I think he's going to have to have another big week uh, if he wants to hand Halifax their second loss on the season. Ben just got drafted by the new Water Dogs squad. I think he's going to ride that high with the Water Dogs and have another big week for Saskatchewan. And I, I go Ben McIntosh. All right, my epic lacrosse fantasy lock is going to be Shane Jackson because he's guaranteed at least three fantasy points since he does score three goals every single game. He's had a hat trick in every single Georgia Swarm game, so I think he'll get it again this weekend and uh, you know maybe add a few assists there and a couple loose balls and for a big fantasy lacrosse week for Shane Jackson. So that's my epic lacrosse fantasy lock. Lock it down. So those are our Epic Lacrosse Fantasy Locks for this week. Let us know your lock by tweeting us your pick using the hashtag Epic Lacrosse Fantasy Lock. And make sure, you know, sign up for Fantasy Lacrosse and give yourself a chance to win an Epic Lacrosse head. All right, now let's make our game picks, Adam. I went 4-1 on the week. You went 4-1 on the week also. We only had two games that we differed on. So that ended up being the difference maker in this one. So I am now 30-15 and 15 overall. You are 25-20 and 20 overall. You're still five games back, but... You have, some, you have a chance to make up some ground here. So let's dive into our game picks. The first of Week 12 we have is the Saskatchewan Rush taking on the Thunderbirds in Halifax for the military appreciation game. Adam, who do you like in this one? Yeah, you know, I, I teased it a little when it came to my fantasy pick. I think Ben McIntosh is going to have a big day, and I think the Rush are going to hand uh, the Thunderbirds um, their second loss on the season. All right, yeah, and I, uh, I'm going to go Halifax because I think they're still a solid team. I think even in their loss against Toronto, they still showed that they were the same Halifax team we've seen all year. You know, they had a late surge in the fourth quarter and almost came back against that Rock squad. So I think they're going to give the Rush a really good game, and I think that home field advantage is going to come into play a little bit, and I think they get their seventh victory of the season. The next game of the weekend is our game of the week, and that is the Vancouver Warriors traveling to Toronto to take on the Rock. Adam, who do you like in this one? You know, I know it may be surprising based off of what happened last weekend, but I'm going to take Vancouver in this one. Uh, I do think they played well uh, in game two of the weekend. I think Mitch Jones uh, and Eric Penny uh, are going to have another big weekend, and I'm I'm going to take the Warriors because I think they're going to get the upset, but I also need to catch up with you in a couple games. 
All right, well, I'm taking the Rock. You know, I think they're going to continue this two-game win streak and get their third straight win. Uh, I think it's going to be a good game, though. You know, I think the Warriors, the Warriors, we really just haven't been consistent this year. They've been really up and down. It's kind of hard to tell what game you're getting from them. Um, the Rock, however, they're on a hot streak right now. I think Rob Hellier and Dan Dawson are really going to come up big and uh, continue that win streak for the Toronto faithful. And then the next game of the weekend, we have the New York Riptide traveling to Georgia to take on the Swarm. Who do you like in this East matchup? Yeah, I'm going to have to take Georgia in this one. Even though they've underperformed to this point of the season in comparison to how most expect it, I think they're too much for uh, this Riptide squad to take, especially with the Riptide traveling to Georgia. I take Swarm. All right, I'm taking the Swarm as well. Um, you know, I really think Shane Jackson, like I mentioned before, is going to have a, another big day. It's hard to bet against him. He's Mr. Consistent. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I, I think the Riptide are kind of in that position like Rochester are and just, you know, not enough time to make up ground, um, kind of reeling right now. So I'm taking Swarm as well. And then in the next game of the weekend, we have the Wings traveling to Buffalo, take on the Bandits. Adam, who are you liking this one? This is probably the game of the weekend for me. Um, just based off of how both of these teams are playing. I think this is going to be a tough one. I, it's always tough to go into Banditland uh, and come out uh, with a victory, but I'm suspect, expecting the Wings to do so. I think Matt Rambo is going to have a big day in Banditland and get the Wings their sixth victory on the season. All right, I, I like that bold pick. Um, I'm going to go Bandits, though. I think Dane Smith is getting this squad to play at a high level right now. Um, despite their loss to the Rock, you know, they still put up a great performance and kind of just ran out of steam late in that fourth quarter. Um, but I, I think they're going to be the better team against this Wings team. You know, that is dangerous, so you can't take them lightly. But I think this North Division is proving to be the best in the NLL. And I think the Bandits hand the Wings a loss in Banditland. And then our final game of Saturday is the San Diego Seals taking on the Colorado Mammoth in a crucial crucial Western matchup, a rematch from a few weeks ago from that Las Vegas game, this time in Colorado. Adam, who do you like in this one? I know this is a tough one. This is a battle, so crazy enough for last place in that Western division. I don't foresee uh, the Colorado offense uh, playing as poorly as it did this past weekend. I expect, as always, for D. Ward to have a big game. So those two things combined equal a victory for Colorado for me this weekend. All right, I'm going Seals. You know, I think people are finding the Seals are getting hot right at the right time. They got Casey Jackson back. They got Austin Stotts back. They're Brody Merrill's still playing at a high level. They have Demude in cage, who's playing really well in place of Sigliano, who's on IR. So I'm going to take Seals to get another victory against the Mammoth in this one. And then the final game of the weekend is on Sunday, a rematch from earlier this season. The former wing squad, which is now the Black Wolves, hosts the new wing squad. Adam, who do you like in this one? You know, just with how competitive these games ha have been thus far, and this rivalry has grown since the Wings came back last season, I'm taking Wings in this one just for the sole fact that they play one more time. I think that game in a couple weeks um, will have big playoff implications, so I want it to be an exciting game later on in the season, so I take Wings. Uh, to even the matchup 1-1 on the season. All right, I'm going to take the Black Wolves because the Wings have a brutal back-to-back -back schedule, you know, playing 7 p.m. in Buffalo, then having to travel to Connecticut to play the Black Wolves at 5 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, the schedulers did not do them any favors. 
And the Black Wolves did win in tic-tac-toe this week against the Wings on social media. Although I think the Wings might have won the whole argument because uh, after taking their L in tic-tac-toe, they said, you have the overhead view, which I, I was dying at. So hopefully it doesn't come down to some overhead camera angles in this one. Hopefully whatever team wins comes out fair and square. But I am going with Callum Crawford and the Black Wolves in this final game of Week 12. So those are our game picks for this weekend. Uh, we'll see if Adam can make up some ground. I either have definitely made up ground or I am way in the hole. Yeah, we definitely you know, did not agree on a lot of these picks, so it should be an interesting week. Um, but with that, you know, let's tease some things that we have out right now. On our website, we have our interview with Kylie Olmiller. Uh, our 5 and 5 is now an article format. We're going to be doing that with a lot of our past episodes. Uh, so feel free to check out that article if you hadn't listened to our podcast with her. And then we also have an upcoming episode with Andy Copeland where he is going to actually break down this Water Dog squad. That will be coming out on Monday. So definitely make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that. He's going to go into everything that went into him choosing this Water Dogs roster, as well as talking about his career, you know, starting out with Maryland as an assistant and then going to Fairfield as head coach for over 10 years. And now, you know, he's with the Water Dogs. So we're really looking forward to talking with him. And again, make sure you subscribe to our podcast and newsletter on our website so you never miss an article or an episode. Uh, with that, that brings us to overtime. Adam, what are you looking forward to most this coming week? It has to be a potential Philly Barrage announcement, baby. I, I think this is something that's been a long time coming. Uh, whether you're a fan of that PLL, whether you're a fan of the MLL, uh, middle school Adam is very, very excited uh, to see that trademark announcement. Uh, can't wait to see uh, how they revamp the logo. Hopefully that'll be announced uh, this weekend or week. I'm just really excited uh, to bring some of my old swag out uh, and bring that inner fan back out with the barrage. All right, Adam, just make sure it fits. You know, you were in middle school when they last played, so a hat would work. I don't know about a shirt or a little hoodie. Um, I don't know if you're going to fit in, fit into that anymore. So. Um, but, yes, we are excited. Hashtag bring back the barrage. It looks like the barrage are being brought back. Um, very exciting. But for me, I'm also interested in something MLL. I'm interested to see what they're doing with these rosters in terms of, you know, are the Rattlers roster becoming the Hammerheads? Um, it seems like that might be the case, but... It'd be odd for them to not say that outright if the Rathers weren't moving to Connecticut. You know, it was the Rathers are ceasing operations and now the Hammerheads are a team. So uh, we don't know if that's the case. Um, so I'm interested to kind of just see where all those players are going to end up. You know, you got Bryce Wasserman and a Bradley Voigt. You have two guys that, you know, really came on the scene uh, both this year and previous years in the MLL and kind of made a name for themselves uh, on this Rathers team. So I'm looking forward to see where they end up. Uh, Sean Scannoni is another one, you know, who... Played really well in cage for the Rattlers. Uh, will he be going to Connecticut? Um, you know, who knows? He's a Long Island guy. Uh, so we'll see. But overall, uh, I'm really excited, you know, again, just on what the state of pro lacrosse is right now. Um, you know, there's been a lot of stuff with both the PLL. You know, they announced that they're going to have 20 slots as opposed to 18 TV slots um, this year, this summer. So that's great on them. They're getting more exposure to the game. Again, the NLL is pushing the boundaries with what they're delivering to fans. They've had a lot of cool content with their players come out. I think Devin Caney's doing a really great job you know, with these interviews with a lot of these players. So overall, I think Pro Lacrosse is in a really good spot, um, and we're enjoying watching all these leagues 
grow and develop. So that wraps up episode 63. Uh, thank you guys all for listening. Again, please subscribe. Consider leaving us a review if you really enjoyed this episode. And we hope you tune in next time to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Thank you.